cannot earn or grow beyond who you are or who you believe you are. And that has helped me tremendously. And that's one of the reasons why I've been able to go through all these challenges and still grow strong from challenges to challenges. I was able to grow bigger and stronger. And that's because of my mentors, the books that I read, the company that I keep, the people who are there to encourage and push you to become a better version of myself. And that's the answer I would say. If you want to get out of limiting beliefs, if you sit on the couch and just accept Whatever is happening in your life, you're just going to remain there. You got to first know that there is possibility of growth. You got to know that there is more in you than you are currently seeing in your own life. But how do you extract it? You got to discover yourself more. This is episode number 17 of the Midlife Station podcast with Commander Bimal Raj. Hello, this is Rupesh Nahar, the host of the Midlife Station, a podcast where we bring in experts and interesting stories of pathbreakers who have transformed themselves during their midlife so that we can get educated and work towards the betterment of our midlife. On the show today, we have with us Commander Bimal Raj, who has served the Indian Navy and our country for 17 long years. He is indeed a multi-talented person. From being an internationally certified trainer, an executive coach, to becoming an entrepreneur and founder of Insightful Parents. Being bedridden for two long years in a hospital, Commander Bimal Raj is a perfect testimony to how one can develop a strong mindset. After serving the Indian Navy, he reinvented himself during his midlife, not only by being a part of an elite team of world-class trainers under none other than Blair Singer, who is the rich dad advisor to Robert Kiyosaki, but also by living his passion for parenting through his own entrepreneurial venture, Insightful Parents. He is also the first Indian trainer for T. Howe Ecker's signature and life-transforming program, Millionaire Mind Intensive or MMI. Thanks to Success Gyan, India's largest seminar organizer, today MMI is made accessible the people of India. Through his venture, Insightful Parents, he dreams of building a better and a stronger relationships between the parents and their kids. In this insightful episode, we discussed on the experiences while serving the Indian Navy and how we develop a strong mindset, approach towards life after facing the setbacks and being bedridden in hospital for too long years, how to overcome self-limiting beliefs and develop a never-say-die attitude, how to develop a strong relationship with money, challenges with parenting, and how his 6 Chief parenting framework is helping parents to overcome these challenges and a lot more. I indeed had a lot of fun while doing this interview and at the same time got to learn a lot from his wisdom. And I'm sure you would too. So please don't miss out listening to the entire episode. Now, before we jump in, kindly do show some love and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify so that you don't miss on any of our future episode. If you have already subscribed, then please do not forget to share the podcast with your loved ones. Now, without much further ado, let us drive straight into the conversation with our guest for today, Commander Pimal Raj. 
Hi, Commander Bimal Raj. It's a moment of honor for me as well as the Midlife Station podcast to host someone who has served our country for 17 plus long years. Thanks a lot for taking out time. Thank you so much, Rupesh. It's a pleasure and my privilege as well to be on your podcast. And I must appreciate you and congratulate you for this particular podcast because this is definitely the time when a lot of people go through a lot of crisis about with respect to identity, about their jobs. what they want in life so i think it's going to add a lot of value and a lot of direction to a lot of people so thank you for this initiative that you have taken thank you thank you for this kind words so I'd like to start by understanding a bit more about your background as you were growing up and what kind of culture and lifestyle you grew up with was it kind of too disciplinary or one with freedom so could you please share a bit around the early phase of your life i'm from the south of india beautiful state called kerala and i'm born to a very traditional uh, mallu family as you would call it my dad was in the road transport corporation my mom was a school teacher so if you ask me if it was a strict disciplinarian kind of scenario to some extent i would say yes it was it was not very strict but there were rules and there was a lot of focus on education that we do well in our school and college or whatever we did so there was a lot of stress on education so like my mom being a school teacher she inculcated the habit of reading into me that i am so thankful for but otherwise at the same time my dad is one of the most practical people i've come across to the fact that in our entire family my sister got selected for engineering in delhi and my dad was willing to let her go to uh, delhi alone and study there and at today's day and age it may be very common but at that time it was like uh, a very very bold step my elder sister is married to my brother in law is from bihar and uh, so that way i would say he was very open minded very practical about life and things and nobody has ever told me that you must do this or this is the only way you got to go forward and, and that applies for i have got two sisters and applied for all three of us and because of which we were able to take our own decisions especially with respect to career and uh, i am married to uh, an north indian as well so they never had any hang ups in that way so i would say growing up it i would say it was more structured discipline and not just a blind discipline like a dictatorship saying that ki my way or the highway it was never the case so i understand none of your family members were part of navy correct or any government that's right so what was there any triggering moment or something that happened in your life that prompted you to go towards the indian navy can you please share that personal story or any specific triggering moment that you had when you decided that i want to go and serve the country I wouldn't say it is a triggering moment it was a lot of moments together like uh, you rightly said there was nobody uh, from the military family and I've never heard any stories of military and valor and stuff like adventure and stuff like that from my family side but that's where the other set of influences come into play that is my teachers and my friends my friends again no one from the service background but one of my teachers in school from my 5th grade all the way up to the 10th grade one of my dearest uh, teachers he was somebody who got selected for air force he served the air force for some time during the training time but then he had a medical issue and he had to come out but he was like a patriot 
he would talk about Air Force day in and day out and what armed forces do and stuff like that. And I got completely inspired by him, I would say. And uh, he is the reason why I wanted to join armed forces for sure. And uh, that's when I started reading. I started finding out more about it. And when I told my parents, my mom naturally was uh, reluctant because the only son, but my father was absolutely fine with it. So I would say it was my teacher who was uh, very instrumental in uh, directing me towards armed forces. I think... uh with teachers we have always have a special bond right even i remember my Absolutely, teacher yes, say yes. something they influence us in more ways than we can think of yeah they are in fact our second parent whom we are very yes, close to true. <laughs> in fact he never told any of us that you should join armed forces he was just sharing his mm-hmm. love and his, how it, yeah. inspired he is with the armed forces and all and it just rubbed off on him. amazing so after you joined the armed forces and uh, I'm sure there will be many, many stories and many experiences you have had and uh, most people always crave for having that strong mindset and I'm sure being from a military background, there would be many reasons for you to have developed that strong mindset or mental toughness. Can you share a couple of experiences with our listeners? I would say yes. First of all, to start with having no background or experience with respect to any kind of military training or anything like that. I mean, I was caught by surprise when I joined the training. It's a three-year training and it's a very rigorous training, naturally. So once I was there and understand that I had never been to a hostel. I've never stayed away from my parents. It was the first time and it was like straight into the frying pan. So there I had two choices. One is to crib and cry about what all is going wrong and what all I am not getting or I started looking at what can I do here and how can I enjoy my time over here and I had some uh, few friends who helped me as well and that is just the starting in fact my life has been shaped with a lot of tragedies which taught me a lot about mindset and how to develop it to tell you a couple of incidents so that your listeners will be able to understand that it doesn't matter what happens to you in life and where you are. It just matters, you know, where you want to go. So after I got into the Navy during my training, in the last year, one month away from passing out, I lost a year because of an, an incident that happened during the stay over there. And it was none of my fault. It was just that uh, I chose to uphold my value system about speaking the truth and uh, I suffered because of that I lost an entire year that was my first setback and uh, after that once I passed out from there I went on to a ship I did my BTEC in mechanical engineering and then I was doing my marine engineering specialization and while doing that I have a stint of six months on board a ship and while I was on board a ship I met with a very serious road accident I was on a bike and I had a head-on collision with a truck which put me on a hospital bed for two years. That again completely changed my career. I wanted to do one thing and I I couldn't do that. Now, all these two years in a hospital is a long period of time. If I wasn't mentally tough, I wouldn't have been able to survive it nicely. So I learned, I would say I learned on the job. First three months was extremely frustrating because I was constantly looking at when can I get out of this place? What can I do next and stuff like that. And by then, I realized that I'm going to be here for a long time. And then I started seeing things differently. I said, okay, I don't know when I'm getting out of here. So what can I do today? 
And when I started doing that, this whole scenario changed. And I started enjoying my stay there. I, in fact, I told one of my friends who visited me to get me a guitar. I started playing and learning guitar over there. So there was a lot of times this happened. And uh, then once I came out of the hospital, I cannot go back to see. And that again was a very big blow for me because of my medical condition. So that means I had to change my branch from engineering to logistics. I wasn't very happy about that. And I suffered initially when I got posted to a logistic billet. I just was not in the right frame of mind. And I was constantly asking, why am I here? What am I doing here? I know, why couldn't I be? Why this? Why that? And all. And it was terrible. And after, again, after a couple of months, I realized that that is not going to help. And I started looking at things differently. Okay, what can I do here? How can I enjoy this place? And this entire scenario changed. And from there, I even got recommended for a commendation by the chief of naval staff. I didn't get it that time, but efficiency and the proficiency changed completely. And even after that, similar things happened. And at 40 years of age, when I was ready to retire, and I was doing a business with my wife because I was still in the Navy. I was helping her and we were on our track to retire financially at the age of 40. And by then I had left the Navy. And when I reached 40, I realized that to my shock that our entire life savings have been wiped off and we had to start life from scratch. So there has been a lot of setbacks that I've faced in my life. And what has helped me has been my mindset about what next, what can I do next? I can't do about what has happened. So what can I look forward to? So that is something that has helped me. I think this uh, has been an emotional roller coaster ride for you. And uh, I think coming out through it would have definitely made you stronger. And the point you are trying to put forward is sometimes situation is not in your control, but what is in your control is what you can do and what is it that matter to you. And in fact, uh, when you were narrating this story, I had recently read a book uh, called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And he was also narrating a similar kind of challenges he faced. I think he was trying to go into the navy like for the u.s forces and there was okay. some seal training and there's a one week which is called the hell week where they are being put through many challenges and uh-huh. he was in pain everything was going bad but still that what he can do and why is he here and all these things helped me to navigate through it so yeah <laughs> thanks uh for sharing it with us so one is having a strong mindset but before even going there today when i talk to many people who are in the midlife as well Many of them feel that uh, they have probably become a slave to those self-limiting beliefs. It may be fear of failure or sometimes you get a feeling that I'm not good enough. I'm an average guy. I'm not worthy of success or dreaming big. And then you have fear of social judgment. So there are a lot of self-limiting beliefs which would not help them to create through their full potential. Now, first of all, I wanted to understand your views on why do we get these self-limiting beliefs in the first place? What may be the cause of this? See, self-limiting beliefs are part of every human being. It doesn't have to be somebody from the midlife. You look at some of the most successful people also. They also suffer from this belief at times that maybe I'm not good enough. I'm mentored by one of the best trainers in the world called Blair Singer. He's the best friend of Robert Kiyosaki. He's a rich dad advisor. And he says that some of the days I feel I'm an idiot. What am I doing here? So first thing you need to understand is that limiting beliefs part of who we are. It is just about doing things in spite of that. 
There are days when you feel you can conquer the world. There are days you feel that you're not good enough. That's part of the journey. So don't beat yourself up based on the low days of your life. That's the first thing. Second thing, what I want to say uh, is that since limiting beliefs stem from what we observe, the company that we keep, and it is built over a period of time. And some of it may have roots in your childhood experiences as well. Now, one of the best way to get out of your self-limiting beliefs is to find somebody who can guide you. A lot of times, if you value yourself, if you evaluate yourself, most of the people would rate less of themselves than what others might see in them. Because we are aware of our weaknesses, our challenges, uh, our mindsets much more than others. Now, and another thing that I want to share is that limiting beliefs are basically, it, it is born out of a story. This is something that I learned from Tony Robbins, saying that when something happens, and one is the event that happened, second is the story that we create over it. All right. Now, if somebody comes and uh, tells me that I'm an idiot, no, nothing will happen to me because it, I don't resonate with that. But if somebody says that maybe I'm an idiot, if you start internalizing these external events, maybe you failed in something, maybe you didn't do well in career, that's all right. But that doesn't mean that you cannot do well again or you cannot do well in other areas of your life. The human potential is unlimited. You just need to learn how to tap it. And if you're finding it difficult, take help. Because if you realize most people, our education ends when we get a job. And even at that time, our education is more towards professional knowledge. And once you're in a job, you are taught how to perform a particular job. Very rarely are you taught who you are and what is possible for you. So that comes under personal development. I believe that every person must invest in personal development courses because you cannot earn or grow beyond who you are or who you believe you are. And that has helped me tremendously. And that's one of the reasons why I've been able to go through all these challenges and still grow strong from challenges to challenges. I was able to grow bigger and stronger. And that's because of my mentors, the books that I read, the company that I keep. The people who are there to encourage and push you to become a better version of uh, myself. And that's the answer I would say. If you want to get out of your limiting belief, if you sit on the couch and think and just accept whatever is happening in your life, you're just going to remain there. You got to first know that there is possibility of growth. You got to know that there is more in you than you are currently seeing in your own life. But how do you extract it? You got to discover yourself more. And that's where personal development comes from. I think I was able to resonate because uh, when I was thinking about podcasting, right? I used to think my voice is not good enough. Let me not try this out. Yeah. And true. that was the self-limiting belief I was carrying. But I think, yeah. as you said, right, the company you keep is also important. And there were Very people important. around me who also were trying to become a podcaster. And that yeah. time we were supporting each other. And the second thing is taking action. So, as you said, you can't sit on a couch and just uh, accept things. You are not good enough. Nothing will happen that way. So, we were talking about self-limiting beliefs and uh, you also narrated some of your thoughts around uh, the mindset part. Any action items or steps uh, would you like to recommend when it comes to, say, developing that never-say-die attitude? 
First is, like I said, commit to personal development and find mentors. When I say mentors, even if it is not somebody physically present, today the internet is available, the YouTube is available. There are so many amazing people out there. You can attend courses, you can attend Tony Robbins, you can attend the Millionaire Mind Intensive. These are the places that will rekindle that fire in you because you need that rekindling of the fire in you because once you've come to a midlife in initially uh, when you started the career there was a lot of fire in you, you know, a lot of enthusiasm and somewhere along the way you have lost it and you've started doubting yourself and you've come to maybe sometimes maybe you're even relegated to the fact that this is how life is and this is how it's going to be it doesn't have to be it's your choice like henry ford rightly says if you think you can if you think you can't either way you're you're right and that is so true. So take one year, let's say, take one year and just commit yourself to personal development. Read books. There's a book that I would very strongly recommend. That's Miracle Morning. It's a process that you do every single morning and that can really uh, give you a lot of fire to keep moving forward. Write down your goals, have some goals, audacious goals and see where you reach and find people who can guide you on that path. So thanks, thanks for sharing those. So uh, now I want to slightly shift the focus towards the second innings of your life. So you were serving for around 17 plus years in the Navy and then you retired as a commander. So now yeah. I wanted to know how did you figure out what's next you wanted to do in life? I wanted to pick your brain uh, to understand how did you get that clarity and how you went about reinventing yourself uh, during that stage? I would say in one way, I was kind of lucky that way because while I was in the Navy, I told you my wife was doing a business and I was helping her out with it. It was an e-commerce based direct selling business. And that actually opened my world into personal development. Actually, that was way back in you know, 2005. And again, at that point in time, the company philosophy was you build the person, the person will build the company. So there was a lot of emphasis on training, personal development and stuff like that. And that is the time when I realized that uh, I am good at talking, inspiring and uh, motivating people because I didn't know it till then. I used to have give instructions in the Navy to other people, but I was not an inspirational speaker or any kind of speaker, trainer for that matter. So that I, I connected with a lot of people. I started training them. I started teaching them and we developed a connect. And a lot of them told me that, Bimal, you're so good at connecting with people. Why don't you get a certification? You will do extremely well as a coach. And I was not even aware of this. And that's when I did my coaching certification. So there reached a point. I had to take a call. Because of the medical category, I knew for sure that I could not go beyond a particular rank in the Navy because you have to be medically fit. And if I didn't have the possibility, even the possibility of trying for the highest rank, then for me, it didn't make sense to stay there. And along with that, my training and coaching was uh, growing uh, nicely and I identified my strength. So that is one thing that you need to know. Identify your strength, what you're good at. You may be, I'm not talking just professionally. Professionally, you may be very good at one thing. Maybe you are good at something else. I know a very close friend of mine who was doing hardcore IT, one of the top companies in the country. He quit his job and today he's a musician and very successful musician. So be courageous and find what your passion is, what is 
what is the place where your interest lies, whether it is training and what is the line that you want to proceed further. And once you identify that and you need to be also logical about the way of transitioning, you need to have a certain amount of at least one year's your monthly expense in your bank so that you're not stressed about how you're going to put food on the table. Because I've seen many people who quit on a whim and then suddenly when there is no income with their family, it becomes desperate. It becomes a very desperate decision. So don't be illogical. You can call it a risk, but it is a measured risk and you need to take that step. Identify your strengths, identify the field that uh, you want to go ahead, identify the scope of it and then take the chance if you want to switch, switch. See, earlier in my dad's days and all, people worked the same profession for 20 years. That's not the case. Today, people switch professions, third, fourth, fifth. I know people were working in the fifth professions completely different from each other. So don't worry about what kind of profession you want to get into. There is ample scope for everybody and in any profession. You just need to be committed to learn uh, on the job and be committed to becoming good in that. And I liked one point which you were narrating. Sometimes uh, we are not aware of our own strengths, but people who are actually observing us, they yes. can let us know what is our strength, right? Which absolutely, absolutely. So, because many times it becomes difficult for us because we always are captured with those self-limiting beliefs that we don't think yes. beyond that. You just mentioned you also went on to uh, do the training under Blair Singer. So... Yes. And today, you are one of the trainers for this world-class signature program called Millionaire Mind Intensive. And so I want to understand from you, how can one overcome those limiting beliefs around money and instead develop that strong relationship with it? Usually, rich people have, but people who are at the middle-class level or at a lower level, uh, they always think it's not for us. So <laughs> can, can you share a bit on that? Yeah, simple line answer would be go attend Millionaire Mind Intensive Program <laughs> that you also, you also understand. That, yeah, right? sure. <laughs> but otherwise, see, it is not that the rich do not think that way. The fact is that people who do not think that they become rich. You understand the difference? It is not that the rich think that way. These people didn't have those beliefs. That is why they became rich. It's as simple as that. And the fundamental thing about money that you need to understand two things one is it is just paper money is only going to precipitate who you are as long as you consider money as a tool you will be able to generate wealth and a tool is supposed to be used in the most efficient way possible in millionaire mind intensive we teach very clearly that it is not about earning money it is about how you manage your money if you see I was seeing uh, recently about Hollywood actors who are rich and who have lost everything. And it was very surprising to see that some of the biggest names that we saw, they were worth, I mean, they, they are now about 60 or 60 plus and they are worth 3 million and 5 million US dollars. Whereas Shahrukh Khan is worth 620 million US dollars. What's the difference? Difference is how they manage their money, where they invest the money. Do you invest in income generating assets? Do you invest in, in things that is going to lose money? Simple thing like a car. Now, I bought a car 14 years back and I still drive it and I have to change it because it is 15 years now. But a lot of people like to live at the moment. There is a concept called delayed gratification. In delayed gratification, what you need to do is that it's, it's a beautiful quote by Jim Rohn. 
He says that do the things that you have to do in the shortest period of time so that you can do the things that you want to do for the longest period of time. The more time you spend in creating wealth, the less time you have to enjoy it forever. We are all trying to live for today. What is it that I can spend on today? How can I enjoy my life today? In delayed gratification, all the wealthy people, all of them, they've lived frugally for a period of time till they are financially free. And then they have the rest of the life to live their lives. So understand that money is a tool and you need to learn how to use the tool in the most productive way so that you get the most return out of it. If you just hold the money, it is not going to help. Saving money is the worst thing because if you realize that money is the only thing in the world that is designed to devaluate every single year. If you have one lakh today, five years from now, one lakh is of no use. It will be like equivalent to maybe 10,000 bucks. So it is about not just hoarding money. It's about finding ways you can grow money. It is a tool. So you grow it and you learn how to invest it properly. It's in, investing is one skill that you need to learn and you need to teach even your children to learn. There was nobody to teach me how to invest wisely and that's the reason I lost all my money because I gave it to someone else to handle. My money is my responsibility. I need to learn how to invest and how to manage it and how to grow it, not somebody else. So the faster you learn it, the better it would be. Money is not good, neither good nor bad. It is just a tool. It is just paper. Yeah, because I think uh, normally people say money is the root of all evil. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Money is not the root of all evil. Love for money is the root of all evil. <laughs> very well said. Well, I'm sure MMI itself is a very detailed and a life-transforming program. And I would encourage all the listeners on the show to surely go and uh, experience that. Because experiencing it would be a life-changing event. And I can vouch for that. At the same time, I think uh, it's it's also important that kids also get exposed to it because the early they learn, the Absolutely. better it is for them. Because for us, at least for me, I never learned this when I was growing up. Our education system is not strong enough to let yeah, us know. It's never taught. Things that are not taught in schools, it's about investing. It is about uh, sales. Another important thing that you need to teach your kids about selling. You need to be able to sell. So all these things are never taught in school. And then uh, when it comes to kids, I think I want to now uh, discuss about uh, your love for parenting and things which you are doing in parenting. But before I go there, I think you did your military service and please focus on personality development. And then how this parenting thing, can you share a bit on that? This is actually an interesting story. We keep saying that when you connect the dots, you see the bigger picture, right? So my parenting journey started after my accident. So how it happened was that I'll, I'll make it very brief. So I was admitted in the command hospital, Calcutta, and there were a couple of beds next to me and all veterans used to come over there. All right. And I was just in my 20s and, and I was very focused about my career. Nothing else was my focus. Now, two officers changed my entire perspective. And the first was a retired Commodore who had done extremely well in service. And whenever he used to talk about his uh, achievements and everything, his face used to light up and he used to tell me that I used to do this, I used to do that and all that kind of stuff. But whenever he used to talk about family, he used to be very sad. He had two kids in the city. He was there for 15 days. I didn't see them even once. Now his wife used to come and visit him every evening. 
and afternoon post lunch is the time when these people get nostalgic and they share their life lessons from 60 70 years initially i thought it was irritating because i was thinking yes <laughs> but then really i said i'm already so much in pain i don't want to listen to this old man stories but then at some point i realized that you know i'm getting wisdom that people at my age normally don't get or normally don't take Mm. So I started listening, and that's when one day he said that Bimal, I have achieved uh, a lot in my career, but if I had to do it all over again, I would do it differently. I would spend more time with my family and my kids because if I had done that at that point in time, today when I needed them, they would have been here. He said, "Don't ever make that mistake in your life." And I just listened. That's fine, fine. And he left after fifteen days, but now immediately after him, on the same bed next to me. another officer came who retired as a lieutenant commander with a potbellied fellow i still remember both of them and always laughing cracking jokes and stuff like that and every evening like clockwork there used to be one big pulton that used to come his two daughters his uh, son-in-laws his grandkids his wife everybody and the kids used to climb on him and they refused to leave till the duty nurse used to come and shout at them that the visiting times is over and this happened every single day while he was there and incidentally now this officer doesn't know what happened before him right i am the only witness <laughs> but incidentally he in one afternoon he started telling me that what bimal you know i did not achieve great heights in my career because i put my family first but today my kids love me so much that they don't let me buy even my own pajamas wow. and at this point in my life what more can i ask for hit me really really hard and i mean i was seeing two people who had taken exactly opposite approaches to their life one was completely career oriented counters family oriented and that is the time i realized oh my god i know this could be me one of these could be me and that's when i realized that irrespective of who i become and what i become parenting and my family is going to be the center of my being and that's how i started uh, reading i started researching why purpose i have researched so much i've met so many people i read done my child and family counseling i did a lot of stuff towards it but it was not to teach i had no intention of teaching at all mm-hmm. it was purely for my selfish reason of creating that family creating that bond with my children and uh, in fact it is only after i did mmi and all i was doing uh, train the trainer and that's a time you have to create a topic or something like that and that's a time one of my friends suren she said why don't you teach in parenting because you have been studying for such a long time and that's when i realized that i have got a this wealth of information let me try and put it and help others and that's how this whole parenting thing came into being it's been there for a long time but it uh, you know manifested much later oh wow. and it's a amazing story actually and, yeah right? connecting and, uh, the dots yeah and i think uh, as you said right to gain clarity you also need to just go within as to what yeah. is it that you strike perfectly with and then uh, take it forward so wow. so now i want to pick your brain on some parenting issues <laughs> which we face so i think one of the common problems you might have heard a lot right that kids don't listen and like they are stubborn and this all causes parents to venture out frustration get angry on them so how do you handle that stubbornness so i'm talking about kids uh, before we go to the teens but yeah, yeah. see the 
thing is that it's a simple question, but I would say answer is not that simple because when you are into fitness, have you ever heard of something called a spot reduction? I am uh, spot reduction means I have a lot of fat around my belly. I just want to remove that fat. <laughs> Can you do that? You can't. You can't do that. You you need to change your lifestyle. You need to change a lot of a lot of things fundamentally to get into uh, fitness. Your mindset, your attitude has to change. Then you'll do well in fitness. So parenting is very very similar. Understand that a child comes into the world as a clean slate. So if uh, a child is behaving in a particular way, don't look anywhere else. It's it's directly related to you as a parent. People come and uh, tell me that my child is a bully. My first question to you is, how often do you beat your child? He says, yes, I do. So understand that there is a direct correlation with the way you interact with the child and what they're learning is mostly from you. But at the same time, there are certain things that you can do. I'll give you a simple example. Like a lot of times what happens is that when you tell your child, to switch off television or come off gadget, they get very uh, angry. Yes or no? Yeah. They get very frustrated. Yeah. I just had the yes. frustration of my daughter before this. Yeah. <laughs> How old is she? She is around five years old now. Five years old. Okay. I'll give you a simple solution. Okay. So normally what happens is that when even even with my child, when she's watching television or something, when I tell Gia, get off, switch off the television, he'll say two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes or five minutes. But what do we do? We normally throw a tandem. No, no. Do it right now. Okay, so there is something called a semblance of control. So if your child asks for two minutes or five minutes, give her the five minutes. He said, five minutes I'm giving you. After that, the TV will be switched off. What happens is that she gets the feeling that she has some control in what she wants to do, not complete control. Now, the second challenge is that you tell her five minutes and she agrees five minutes and then you go and you get busy with something else. And after 20 minutes, you realize that, oh my God, I forgot. And she's still watching television. And you, you go and shout at her. You as a parent, as an adult, you forgot those five minutes. Imagine the child sitting in front of something that is so addictive. So what I generally do is that this will work beautifully. Let us say your child is into a gadget or uh, a television. Just tell your child that you got 10 minutes more. When she's starting the gadget or a television, tell them, okay, 30 minutes is your television time. All right. Now, if 30 minutes is your television, then make sure that you give adequate warnings. What I normally tell my child is that 15 minutes left, 10 minutes left, 5 minutes left. I say 1 minute left, you got to switch it off. And at times, even then she asks for 2 minutes and I give her. Now, what is happening is that you're preparing that child mentally that they need to come off television. The television or a gadget is something very, very addictive. It is designed by the best in the world to keep children addicted to it. So you can't fight it. The only thing is that you can help your child prepare mentally to get off it. It works beautifully. And don't shout. Just you can be nice and firm. And you need to make sure that you are there after five minutes to make sure that it is switched off. And it will happen. Trust I'll me. Surely try it today. <laughs> Absolutely. Try yeah, it out. Because how five minutes never gets over. <laughs> That, so, five minutes, if you ask this, show the clock and say it's 7.20, at 7.25, I'll switch it off. And at 7.25, switch it off. That time, there is no compromise. Not another five minutes. You understand what I'm saying? And let her get used to it. In the first couple of times, even if she shouts and the thing, don't give in. The moment you give in for it, when a child throws a tantrum, 
you are basically teaching your child that every time you need to get your way, just throw a tantrum. So don't do that. Be the parent. Yeah, because most of the time when the child throws tantrum at you, you tend to shout. And uh, just walk away. That's it. That's the best. Uh, yeah, that's let, just, let cry, you don't even have to walk away. You can talk to the child in a very calm tone. You're throwing a tantrum. If you want to tell me something, if you want something, cool down and uh, talk normally. Then we will talk. After that, let them throw any amount of tantrum. My ch- you think my child doesn't try? They try. All children try everything. <laughs> it is just yeah. how you respond that they mm-hmm. take the cues on how they learn how to manipulate. Simple as that. Thanks for sharing that. Now, coming to teenagers, right? Many of the people would be facing problem because they have now grown up uh, that uh, yeah. they might not open up to you uh, and share things. So, how can uh, we as a parent work in a way where they see you as a friend uh, and then try to share things uh, to you? One of the things that I keep uh, telling all parents is that don't try to be a friend to your kids or especially a teenager. They have lots of friends out there, the cool ones, all kinds of friends. They have only one set of parents and you got to be that. Being friendly is different from being a friend. Now understand, see, teenagers, I would say very, a time of Tremendous change that is happening within a teenager, physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, societally. And they are growing up in an environment that you have never been exposed to. And if you think you don't, because internet got commercialized only in 1995. We didn't have all these gadgets when we were growing up. So we don't know the kind of pressures that they are subject to. So a lot of parents say, I've, I've turned out fine. My parents, were, they used to hit me and everything. And But I have turned out fine, so it is okay. I can do the same thing. It doesn't work that way. It is like using a Windows 95 program to run a Microsoft uh, Windows 10. It is not going to work. It was fine for our generation, but not now. You need to learn new skills. You need to create a bond. You create an environment, a context in your home where children feel free to talk to you about anything. And it doesn't come by default. It takes a lot of work. You need to understand what is uh, going through that uh, teenager. You need to give a lot of respect to the, especially to a teenagers. And understand that teenage is the time. I'll give you a very small example about two things. About one is I understand about the teen brain. Now, teenage, we have a lot of parts of the brain, but I'm going to talk about two parts. One is called the limbic brain, which is called the seat of emotions. Even an infant has a developed limbic brain. That is all our raw emotions come. Greed, anger, lust, everything comes from there. And there is the second part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex. Now, the prefrontal cortex is called the seat of civilization. And that is the part which helps you regulate your impulses, which helps you regulate your emotions, which helps you have good judgment, take sensible decisions, and all these things are done by prefrontal cortex. Now, MRI studies over the last couple of decades have shown that the prefrontal cortex starts developing only at the age of 12 and it completes development only at the age of 21, 22. So what you need to understand is that your uh, teenager is neurologically incapable of reading your emotions, of making good judgments or controlling their impulses. And that's the reason why they tend to make emotional choices. They tend to react really badly. Because there is no filter, whatever is there in the limbic brain comes out. We have that. 
But unfortunately, what we do is that as parents, we go down to their level and we start arguing at their level. And they know that they are out of control. That is just about the teenage brain. Second part you need to understand is that there is a child self and an adult self within the child. When they come into a teenager, there's a calling from inside to move away from all childish things and everything that reminds them of childhood. And fortunately or unfortunately, the biggest reminders of childhood are the parents. Mm-hmm. So they want to move away from them. They want to uh, treat themselves as adults. And that's the reason they become very argumentative. They cut off from you. Even if they used to be sweet, nice kids earlier, they become completely different uh, people. So you need to learn what is happening in that body of your teenager, in the mind of that teenager, and then learn how to create that bond, create that beautiful relationship with your teenager. And it is possible. I think uh, most of the parents uh, find it very tough, right? And uh, that's where I think you have also come up with a kind of 6C framework to parenting. So what are the 6C framework? Can you talk a bit more about it? Yeah, I can tell you quickly. When I started advising parents about how to do parenting and how to handle situations and I realized that things were not sticking. They were trying to impose rules and they would revolt completely and things are not happening. So that's when I realized that there is something fundamentally wrong. I cannot approach it like piecemeal. That's where I realized that you know, I was actually studying Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Some people may understand what is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The fundamental need of a human being is food, shelter, clothing. Okay, and sex got added later. But food, shelter, clothing is a fundamental need of every human being. Till the time you don't have it, you cannot go to the next one. That's when I realized that even our children have a hierarchy of needs. And that is how the six C's came into being. Now, I'll just briefly tell you what the six C's are. The first and the most fundamental C is cognizance. Cognizance just means understanding. So what I told you about the teen brain is just one part of the team that you need to understand. There are a whole lot of stuff that you need to understand. So you start looking at your team differently. It's like you talking English to somebody who is talking Greek. Mm-hmm. You are clueless about what that guy wants and that guy is clueless about what you want. That's what is happening these days. So you need to understand what is happening uh, in every aspect. That is cognizance. Now, once you understand, you start appreciating the challenges that your child is going through, what is going on in his mind, the growth uh, spurt that is happening, everything you get to know that. The second C is called care, not just care, care through unconditional love. Now, a lot of people, everybody says that I love my child unconditionally, but unfortunately, parents are very manipulative. We manipulate our children with various means to get a particular behavior. And kids wanting to approval of their parents, they even change their behavior to please us only with us and studies have shown that kids who change their behavior to get the approval they stop liking themselves at even the parents over a period of time so there's a whole module on unconditional love that you need to understand it's very very fundamental because the child's self-worth and self-esteem everything stems from there and the third c is called connect now connect when we talk about connect that's a classic Thing that all teenagers say, just a complaint that all teenagers say, I can't connect to my parents, man. Then they don't connect to me. And parents say that I don't understand what they are doing. I can't connect to them. That's because we are trying to connect at a very superficial level. You need to connect at a very fundamental level, the level of your values, your traditions, your culture, your rituals. 
Now, unfortunately, most of us don't even know what our values are. We know it is there somewhere, but we don't know what they are. When your values are not in place, child will start looking outside your home for role models and that may not be the best for you. So you need to first connect at a very deep level with respect to values, culture, traditions, rituals and everything about your family. Create that family identity so that the child is proud of the family. After connect comes communication. Communication is extremely important because everything gets communicated through uh, communication only, right? Now, unfortunately, if you look at the way we communicate with our children, it is really bad. I'm not talking about the communication that happens when everything is fine and everybody is happy. I'm talking about the communication that happens when nothing is going right, when they don't move a finger to help you, when they don't obey you, when they don't lift a finger to do something, even after telling them 10 times. At that point in time, how do you communicate with them? You will shout at them, you will scream at them, you will insult them, you will scream names at them. A lot of things happen. It could be aggressive, uh, it could be aggressive or it could be passive. You could withdraw yourself from them. Emotional blackmail happens and a lot of things happen. So you need to learn. Communication is very, very fundamental to build any kind of relationship. And when it comes to teens, you don't even understand what they're going through. So when you start the communication, it's already a loaded gun. So communication is very, very important. So I teach everything about communication. And after that comes a very, very important thing. And the next two C's, I call it as aspirational ones. The next one is code of honor. I learned it from my mentor, Blair Singer. So code of honor is nothing but a set of rules that is implemented as a family together. Normally what happens is that we keep a set of rules for the kids and they have to follow it. If teenagers hate one thing, that is hypocrisy. Because what happens is that when you set rules for your children, you are basically telling them that they are not good enough to take care of themselves. They are responsible. That's why they need rules and not you. Second, you have double standard. You have different set of rules and the kids have a different set of rules. So in Code of Honor, the whole family comes together and comes out with a set of rules for the whole family that uh, they go through. And it is beautiful. And it has been the biggest hit with kids because suddenly... The kids are not considered as kids anymore. Let me put it that way. They are treated like adults. They are treated like as if their opinion and their view matters in these things. And the final one is uh, caulking. Caulking is a process uh, in which you seal cracks in a boat, make it waterproof. Now, how do you seal cracks in uh, parenting? That is coming together, husband and wife coming together as a team. So understand that we all have a parenting blueprint in us that has come up because of our growing up, what we have seen in our families. Now, each father and mother have different blueprints, completely different blueprints. And because of which, there are a lot of disagreements and altercations happen, especially when it comes to bringing up children. I'll give you a small example. Let's say the husband comes from a family where they are allowed to sleep late on weekends, saying that it is rest and recuperation time entertainment time and the wife comes to their family where they believe that everybody must get up at six in the morning irrespective of what day it is okay that naturally when they come together there's bound to be a conflict it's as simple as that if india and bangladesh becomes one country one of the first things that they need to do is create a common constitution as long as they are operating from their respective constitution there will be conflict So this is the entire six C's and I've seen miracles happening in families because of this and I'm very happy about the product that I made. It gives good insights uh, to how 
parents should look at things that brings me to our last segment which i uh, call a quick fire segment so okay. i'll ask you some quick questions and uh, we'll expect your answer so what is one daily ritual or routine that you follow which keeps you ahead of the game i get up in the morning i go to the miracle morning i follow that i write my goals i spend some time uh, in meditation i meditate every single day keeps me grounded and i'm ready for the day i know what i'm supposed to be doing for the day my one of my mentors said that if you can spend 1 hour to yourself then you have control of the next 23 hours what does success mean to you success according to me means i should be able to do what i like what i enjoy the most i should be able to make a difference to other people's lives and uh, i should be able to spend a lot of time with my family what is the best piece of advice you have ever received i won't call it an advice it was mm-hmm. a passing statement from one of my mentors it is stuck with me it says you know, stop living by what you are defined by and start living by what's possible it's a, it's a, it's a very deep uh, one we are defined by all our limitations and everything circumstances everything but what's possible for us anything is possible for us if you're willing to work towards it if someone wants to reach out to you how can they do it Yeah there are two ways one way that I would strongly recommend is uh, I have a Facebook group called Insightful Parents Insightful Parents that's one word Facebook group it's a it's a private group it's for parenting and we have a lot of discussions fruitful discussions in that we don't do any promotions and stuff like that we have more than 2500 strong and uh, we talk about LGBTQ we talk about homeschooling There's a lot of stuff that very good stuff that we talk about over there please be part of that uh, facebook group because it is growing another one you can reach out to me on insightfulparents@gmail.com it's insightfulparents not parenting a lot of people think like that insightfulparents@gmail.com you can reach out to me for any help any advice and stuff like that so these are the two ways uh, you can reach out to me so that brings us to the end of the show thanks a lot for coming in and sharing your valuable insight how to develop strong mindset what it takes to gain clarity and how should one rationally look when it comes to parenting their kids i along with all my listeners of the show want to thank you for sharing these golden nuggets with us today hope you achieve tremendous success in all your future endeavors thanks a lot for coming in thank you so much rupa thank you so much for inviting me to this show and uh, i just want to tell all the listeners that you decide when you retire it is not when something ends that you retire you decide when you retire and till the time you have fire in you keep going forward rediscover reinvent yourself the world is full of possibilities thank you i hope you enjoyed listening to the show today and if you like what you heard then please do rate and leave a nice review for the show on apple podcast or castbox also kindly do follow our instagram handle the midlife station to catch up on the latest glimpses of our show you can access the show notes by visiting the midlifestation.com/tms17 that's all i have for you today thanks a lot for tuning in i will see you back in the next until then let us continue to take those small actions towards the betterment of midlife